and welcome back to another episode of the USL show. Um, before we get into this, like really at all, I want to go ahead and say this. You know, this whole episode is going to have a massive trigger warning basically on it. Um, we will be talking about some stuff going on with Monterey Bay and uh, possible racial abuse stuff in WSL and every form of abuse that could be talked about. Um, some other stuff that's going on around the league with Rev, uh, Rev Wolves and other abuses happening there. So that's this is a blanket statement just ahead of time that if any of that stuff gets to you, you know, this may not be the episode to listen to or listen to you with your own judgments, I suppose. But this is going to be a very different episode. We very well could talk about the matches that were and the matches that will be next week. Um, but this episode could entirely be about what's happened this last week, unfortunately, off the pitch. So this is a fair warning ahead of time. But first, we we do have uh, you know some people returning to this show. Um, we had Ryan and John hold it down last week. Um, and recently off of a plane, Alan, he's back. How you doing, man? Doing all right. It's been a couple of days in Sacramento. Uh, just got in back into San Diego. So not really jet lagged, but travel always does take it out of you. So, um, but I thought this was an important one to try and be on if I could. And I'm here. So, uh, yeah. Ryan, you're one of the people that held it down last week. Killed it as always. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Just uh, spent the weekend uh, just kind of feeling the after effects of Hurricane Ian, but luckily it didn't hit us too badly. But we are thinking about our USO friends in Tampa and Florida, just uh, hoping for the best for you guys and uh, just keeping you uh, kind of in our thoughts. Yeah, um, in the description of the show, uh, that's going to be on Spotify, Beautiful Game Network, uh, Apple Podcasting, where you get your stuff. There's going to be links to donate to those correct charities to get food, water, whatever needed out there. So go ahead, check out for that. Um, John, how you doing? Yeah, doing well. Uh, secondary plug for all of the Hurricane Ian stuff. I think that's important, but uh, heavy topics to it tonight. So just happy to have you, Alan and Kayler, back in the mix tonight. Yeah, so for people who aren't in the know, there's some stuff that's, like we said, happening with Monterey Bay, which there seems to be a lot of, um, not their fault, obviously, they have seemed to be the victim of. Um, and then NWSL, uh, a lot of stuff had come to light, and then more stuff with Red Wolves, which continues to be a massive, massive stain on the USL. Um but we do want to start off with Monterey Bay. Um, and basically, at the end of the match uh, against Tampa Bay, there was just a big hubbub uh, that happened at the end. You know, Neil uh, throwing some middle fingers and, you know, a lot of angry stuff going around. And a lot of people think that's what it was. But there are allegations of racial abuse being thrown at players, which has happened to Monterey Bay a lot this year. Now, whether it's happening to them more than, you know, other teams, or if they are just willing to call it out every time it happens, we don't know. But either way, Monterey Bay has seemed to be the target of this, and the alleged incident seems to be coming from an opposing player or staff member for Tampa Bay. Again, we don't know the facts on this, but... If it did or did not, we know there's some big happen, but it's something that this has happened a lot around the league, both League One uh, championship and even down in League Two. There was a couple of incidents this year. Um, I I don't really know how to throw this one to anybody. If anybody just wants to just kind of talk about all, why is this so freaking common, you know? I, I mean, I can jump in here uh, just talking to the fact that having worked a little bit last season with Neil Collins, with the Tampa Bay staff, in my experience, these are stand-up people who know a lot about the game of soccer. 
but there's this tendency when you're in the heat of the competition, this was a 2-1 game that saw the Rowdies come back where you lose sight of human decency. And I'm never going to challenge Monterey on the fact that something happened that was deeply hurtful, deeply offensive, that somebody on the Tampa Bay staff said. We had comments against Hugh Roberts at the end of the game a couple weeks ago. He's one of the leaders of the USL Black Players Association. This is a team that I think is a real boon to the USL and the fact that they're not afraid to call out these sorts of behaviors. It's just unacceptable at this level to be harassing players because of their racial identity. We've had a reckoning across this country overall on that topic. And the fact that the USL Championship and League One and the NWSL and the USLW League aren't willing to be leaders or even follow the baseline trends of what is happening in terms of acceptance, in terms of making minority figures be accepted in these communities is just really sad to me overall. I don't know. It, sorry, Alan, it looks like you're about to say something. I was going to say, um, I think the... The year during COVID, I had the opportunity to reach out to Black Players Collective and and give them a survey and kind of find out like what their experiences were growing up, what their experiences were like during their playing career. And it was it was brutally honest in that they experienced this like on a daily basis. Some of them starting, you know, as in in their preteen years, uh, dealing with racialized abuse on the, on the playing pitch, uh, you would hope. And USL put out a thing saying that you know you know are going to address this. They're going to have trainings. They're going to have workshops. They're going to work with people. And then it quietly has kind of I don't want to say gone silent, but hasn't been nearly as as highlighted as it has in years past. Uh, and I, I think this is something that we as soccer fans need to make sure we're holding our teams accountable um, as much as we can. Right. And this is where we get into some of the other, like the other instances where fans just don't know because people are, are either afraid of retaliation or, or it's just, they're exhausted for making the same claim week after week because they deal with it week after week. Um, so I, I, this is something that I think a lot of people deal with. And, you know, Hugh Roberts has been very vocal. And so I'm not surprised that a team like Monterey Bay uh, is willing to call it out when it happens. Some other teams might be reluctant to, to say something, but you know, that's why I have a ton of respect for what Hugh Roberts has done in the USL as being this like vocal figure. And you would hope that other players around him continue to do that work. Um, and, and we see it from time to time on certain teams, but I think, um, this needs to be a new normal of, of calling out bad behavior when it happens so people can be held accountable and not be afraid to put it into public uh, because, you know, sunlight is going to kill some things. Uh, so I, I would encourage fans to, to continue engaging with their ownerships and continue to push for responsive ownership groups and be willing to pull your money if they're not. And with, you know, the example like Monterey Bay recently, um, I would say it's hard to trust the process in a investigation when, you know, it, it people aren't willing to speak up. We saw this in San Diego with the wave where people weren't willing to uh, speak to racialized abuse in the stands, but said, oh, the person was violent or the person was this or the person was that, but would not confirm um, the racialized abuse. And I think we as fans when we are hearing things, we need to, we need to say something too. I also think that, and this should be the, I guess, um, I, what's the word? This should be the standard, but it's not. But one thing I will say is that there are clubs out there that are making a difference that are trying that if something were to happen, those fans are dealt with swiftly. Um, I can speak to Birmingham, right? There was a fan who was allegedly saying things that he shouldn't have been um, racially. And he was kicked out of the stadium. Band has not gone back to another game. 
happened that day immediately. Um, and I'm not saying that just to pat the team on the back, but I mean, for now, while that should be the norm, it's not the norm. And we need to applaud teams that do it because anything that can push other teams to go to the top and do this as well. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of, you know, putting the donut or put the carrot in front of the horse or something like that. But anything that gets these front offices to act, we have to do it. Yeah. And it's about just uh, holding the league accountable for just uh, telling that this behavior is unacceptable and cannot stand in the league. And if the league isn't going to take action, they're, say loss of trust on the teams, on the players, and as us as fans, if they're just not going to respond or or not just brush these incidents aside, they need to hold we as fans need to hold the league accountable and just make sure that, that they're doing the best they can to get rid of this behavior out of out of the league. Yeah. Kind of moving forward with you know, with stuff that's going on around leagues and stuff that should be held more accountable, obviously, is we're looking down into um, NWSL. And we're bringing up NWSL for a few reasons. Um, we There are a few NWSL 2 teams, um, you know, that, um, that are in the W League. Um, but this is stuff that is systemic. Right. This this doesn't just happen in WSL. This does not just happen in the WSL in England. This doesn't just happen in um, I can't remember the you know the actual pronunciation, but you know the women's La Liga in Spain where they are completely on fire right now. Um, this is something that starts down at the youth level and has creeped its way to the top because it's been allowed to happen. Um, for people who don't know, um, there was a whole report that was uh, released yesterday explaining every incident that had been released and some that had not. Um, it's of just abuse um, happening to women in this league. And we know that it's obviously happening with some you know, other men's leagues as well. But the stuff going on in the women's league, it's disgusting. Um, I I don't know where to go exactly right now past that, but if anybody wants to just jump in. Yeah, I'll go ahead and hop in and just lay a little bit of context in terms of how this relates to the broader USL landscape where Racing Louisville, who is overseen by the same front office as Louisville City FC. So you think about your James O'Connor on the technical side, Brad Estes, at the more executive level, who were deeply involved with the hiring and then firing of uh, Christy Hawley, who they were abusing players realistically. I mean, it's as simple as that. And it had the endorsement of US soccer, essentially. And if you think down to USL League One, the involvement of Paul Riley with North Carolina FC, where everything down to uh, U.S. soccer-sponsored training and skills development, the day-to-day operations of that club on a technical level, were defined by a person who was innately abusive to women. It's really depressing to think about that these are the elite players in American women's soccer who are finally getting their chance to show themselves off at the professional level. And they are overseen by not only coaches, but a national institution that is endorsing human beings who are abusive, who are thinking of themselves first. It's honestly just depressing. And so I'll see the floor to whoever else wants to add, but that just highlights two examples of what was happening with the teams with loose ties to the USL men's setup. And the broader uh, abuse was so much broader than that, even. Uh, to me, what what scares me, and I had posted about this on social media, um, talking about, 
you know, there are strong rumors that Legion are going to be getting a W League team, so on and so forth. And I just ask that the teams who are getting W League, who are getting Super League, but past that, UWS, uh, UP, uh, WPSL, whomever, I don't care, the, the A-League, the Academy Leagues, to do their research, get the right people in there, and just listen to the players. Just listen to them. Pay attention to what they say. And there was stuff that was coming out with uh, Bedos, who used to be the former captain goalkeeper for Racing Louisville. Um, and she had talked about how some of this stuff is not just as simple as, you know, they were physically or emotionally abusing or sexually abusing players it goes down to full-on manipulation of the captain to say to from day one turn them against their teammates so if a teammate comes up to them the example she gave that there was a player that uh coach holly said hey listen we know about this player that she hates hard work that if anybody tries to push her that she she just claims all sorts of different stuff and just makes excuses on why she's not succeeding and why she doesn't want to work and lo and behold, months later, that player had been abused by Coach Holly and Betos just brushed it off thinking, oh, this player does this. They have a history of this because they trusted their coach. That is just manipulation of every person. The people who need help can't get help because no one trusts them anymore. And it, I I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to think about some of this stuff. I mean... There, this is really. I've started thinking about this in a lot of different ways recently since becoming a teacher. There are girls that I teach who are in the current soccer system that will eventually play for Birmingham Legion's W League team. There's going to be people that I teach that will be playing for that team. And reading some of the stuff that was happening where coaches were putting their hands down some of these girls' shirts and their shorts during one-on-one film meetings. The idea of any of that happening to my kids, happening to my students, I just it, I just want to throw up. It makes me so sick. And if you don't think that's happening at a youth level, it, it is. And that's why we need to talk about this because this affects Super League and WSL all the way down to the academies. Yeah, and I, I think some of the other issues too around these things are people who are getting fired or let go, not because of the act, but because somebody eventually in the public finds out and then they're kind of forced in their hand to re- remove these coaches. And then they do it in a way that's like that protects the coach and allows them to get other jobs elsewhere, right? And in 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 a way where in employment law, they're not really allowed to ask for previous circumstances, and so all they can be like, "Well, yes, they were employed here," versus we fired him for a cause because he did X, Y, and Z, and. And so they have an opportunity to do this again and again in multiple settings. And then they're protected until the public finds out. And I think, you know, there's some clips from um, like an ESPN thing that they're putting out um, where they're talking about, you know, Alex Morgan, you know, the, the one of the faces of women's soccer is talking about, we went to U S soccer and they did nothing. And, we had to go to the press, right? They had to go to someone like Meg at at the athletic to get someone to even listen to their story. And it shouldn't get to that point, right? It shouldn't get to a point where we distrust the system so much that we have to go outside of the system to correct something. It should be handled within the system. And then, you know, the, the story can come out afterwards of, you know, this is how the system handled it. And this was the retro, this was the the outcome as opposed to we have to get justice by going to the press and airing 
out all of our trauma for everyone to read in order to even get people enough to care that these things are happening. And I think that it, that is a, a super big failure of the people in charge of us soccer uh, and the, these owners of these teams that they've, these players have been failed on multiple levels to have a safe environment to come to work. And imagine if something was so bad at your work that you tried to tell people up and down the ladder and you had to go to the press. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty drastic move. And I'm sure for some of these players was, was a very difficult one to make because now you're talking to somebody, you're putting your trust in another person that, you know, the story can get twisted. The story can get, you know, maybe they don't have your best interest at heart as a, a, a journalist, but I think they did a good job of finding a journalist they can trust in Meg Linehan to come out with some of these articles to really shine a light on some of these things. So it's yeah, the safe sport. It, there's so many systemic failures up and down the professional organization right now that it can't just be lip service. It can't just be, we're bringing somebody in and talking about these issues. It needs to be, you know, people being removed from their positions and never allowing them to exist in those spaces anymore. To the point, sorry, Ryan, I know you're about to say something, but just want to jump in real fast to the point of safe sport for people who are listening to the podcast only and didn't see the comment from Andy. Uh, some of these coaches were able to avoid safe sport because in order to be involved in safe sport, you need to be a licensed coach. And two of the coaches like Chris C. Holly were not even licensed coaches. They were coaching at the highest level in women's football and they don't even have a single class taken for a license in coaching. That's why they weren't in safe sport, because if they did their quote-unquote due diligence and did background checks, they wouldn't even be included because they didn't have a license. That's the failure of that. Yeah, and it just speaks to just more of a complete failure of U.S. soccer as a whole, just from top to bottom, that this just keeps happening. I mean, we need to see, like Alan has mentioned, more than just lip service, there needs to be actual change. And like, for instance, uh, there needs to be ownership changes. There needs to be changes of people who shouldn't no longer be in power. They should no longer be in any sort of organization within U.S. soccer. It just the fact that it keeps happening and that it just every single time it comes up, it just seems like it's been more lip service and there's just been no change. It's just been so just depressing and disappointing within soccer as a whole that it just makes it hard to really be a fan of this sport if it just keeps happening yeah and to me this is where we have i feel because part of the reason that we're having this conversation is that the usl show itself you know we have a platform we know that you know it's it's very much big fish small pond but the pond still exists right and we want players across all leagues but especially within our sphere of super league w league um the academy level you know we there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this and we want you to know that like we have your back on this and obviously trust is earned along the way. But if, if you're a player of these W league teams, which we know there are players that listen to this, if you're a player of an upcoming super league team, um, or if you're in the Academy, you know, there are outlets there. Um, we, <laughs> You know, there's we don't know exactly what we can do all the time, but always reach out to somebody, reach out to us, um, and we'll try to point you in the right direction, you know, try to change things. Because, I mean, there are situations where we're, let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit. The Chattanooga Red Wolves, they also have a W League team. And they are currently in the middle of the USL Players Association, which the Super League, which is obviously not uh, Super League, um, but W League. But they're going to be under the same CBA as the championship. Um, but these W League players and the Red Wolves, the PEA has straight up said they don't trust this organization. Continuously, continuously 
just being a giant stain in the USL for so many reasons. And now they're being just their coach was put on suspension. A few weeks later, the social media admin was probably told, hey, you need to post nice things about the coach. It's his birthday. And then that was weird. And now it's coming out that they did their internal investigation, which always leads to the truth. And he still has a job. He's still around. It's it's gross. And if I was a female, you know, athlete or even a male athlete, I wouldn't go back to work there. I wouldn't go to work there at all. There are other places to go that is not that organization because they have a giant stamp on them that says you cannot trust us. So let's take on Chattanooga a little bit where I think it was the number 18 players reported who had various complaints against the bullying and abuse and verbal confrontations that they had against Jaime Obleda there as the manager of that club. And Chattanooga has started out in sort of a rough patch in terms of their community relations within the city of Chattanooga. They're trying to start a women's team. And then you see this on the men's side where they lack any iota of discretion in terms of the way that they are managing the human beings that they're bringing in and putting up as the faces of their organization. If it is a terrible endorsement of what League One is doing, what USL is doing at the front office level in terms of the broader organization and what this team stands for as they expand into the women's game. And I think the dual hit of the USLPA really highlighting what's gone on with the Red Wolves this week in tandem with the allegations against the NWSL teams, U.S. soccer, and specifically the organizations with ties to the United Soccer League that really makes this a tragic situation where you almost wish that Chattanooga wasn't even starting a W League team. All of it just makes me sad for the state of play, for the way that these players who have devoted their lives to the sport, who have given so much to these communities, are being treated. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, this is something I'm going to, and I've, I've been thinking about this just for just for a minute, but there's a lot of other stuff that's with Red Wolves that stuff has been allowed to slide. Um, I, I just, I mean, this is going to be one of those situations where we are the USL show, but we're, we're not paid by the USL. They do not tell us what to say. We don't, but you know, we are here to cover their league and we are allowed to criticize them where possible. If I was in Chattanooga, go across town, get as far away as you can from this, from this team, go to, uh, you know, go to FC, go. If you're, especially if you're in the women's club, I mean, I wouldn't trust this Red Wolves team. Absolutely not. I, if you want to stay in Chattanooga, do not go to this Red Wolves team. Don't. And if you're sitting here as a Red Wolves fan saying that's just not fair, hold your own team accountable. Hold this league accountable because part of what we're doing here today is trying to hold this league accountable. Over and over and over again, the championship, League One, League Two, have come out with blanket statements that say we are investigating. We care about diversity. We care about safety and inclusion. And then that's all they'll do if we're lucky. There are owners in Charlotte that are still owning a team. There are peak coaches in League One that are still around despite 18 players. Um, that's more players than some teams have coming out and saying all the horrible things that are going on. There are people in Louisville that are oversaw the things that happened in NWSL and are still in charge. We, it's our job to hold this league accountable. 
And so does Super League and W League make a difference in these women's organizations actually be a change? Don't just say, well, that's how it's always been, please. And also, I just want to throw this out there because I know it's going to make me mad later. If you're going to be one of the five to ten people that are going to email me or DM me on the USL show account or Gmail that says, please keep the politics out of the USL. Shut up. We don't want you to listen anymore. I'm sick of your I'm sick of your DMs and your emails. There's a reason I don't respond is because we could care less. If you don't if you don't care about all of this, you're a sicko, you're a monster, and we could care less about having your view, your listen, your stream, whatever. Bye bye. Sorry, I had to get that one off the chest. I think one of the things that stands out to me with the Red Wolves is they were allowed to investigate themselves. And it's like that's never that's never gonna work, right? Like, even if you think that you are like the least biased person in the world, like you're investigating your own organization, and you have these relationships with these with people that are gonna influence um, some of your findings, right? And you're going to give people the benefit of the doubt as opposed to being, you know, objective as possible. So I, I think. Uh, like Ben Goshorn put out a thing about we need to encourage more independent investigators or investigations. Uh, USL should probably in, invest in independent investigations because I think that's where you really get down to, you know, allowing the investigations to actually find the truth as opposed to find as much truth as you feel comfortable uh, letting people into your organization and I, I think that's part of your the, the big problems too is, hey, Red Wolves, there's some issues. Things have been reported. Can you please look into it? Like they're going to circle wagons and protect their own because, you know, any negative press, I think, reflects poorly on them as opposed to admitting that something's wrong. And I think this goes to, I've seen this happen in politics a lot where people aren't willing to admit when things are wrong because they're worried about implications as opposed to, like being honest and say, look, this is not this is not okay, and these are the steps we're going to do to fix it. It's oh, nothing's really wrong, you know. It, we there was not no no corroboration. No one was willing to come forward. It's like yeah, because they don't want to talk to you because you are part of the people who they feel are abusing you. So why would they go and talk to you and 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 feel comfortable? So I, I do think you know having some of these independent investigations and shining light on these things like that's where you lose that trust. And I, you know, a, a team like Chattanooga where people are saying we don't trust you to handle the situation, like why would anyone want to go play there? Like if, if something goes wrong, you, you like, I need to tell somebody about this and you have to report it through the, the organization. I'm not going to feel comfortable if I know that nothing's going to happen. Like why do I even say anything? Why would I even play there? And so I think having some independent eyes like separate from the league and separate from the teams is healthy for the league and willing to admit when things are wrong and have, have something set up ahead of time where these are the, the, the outcomes of those investigations. Like hopefully we can avoid some of the, the things that are happening right now in the bigger picture, because these things are happening right now in your league. So let's, let's start doing something different, please. Yeah, and this is just, uh, it's why we have the Players Association in place to look out for our players within the league. And if there are teams who are, basically you feel like they can't be trusted to run an organization, they shouldn't be part of USL oh, going forward. They shouldn't be allowed into the league in the first place. And if there's just this much of a loss of trust, it really reflects poorly on USL 1, on USL as a whole. If these teams are allowed to continue to operate without any change to their structure or without even getting rid of them entirely. And kind of going back to NWSL a little bit and by how it ties into the USL a little bit more uh, directly. Um, right now, Louisville City fans are planning to do their completely silent first half, um, have shirts and TIFOs made um, about the silence. Um, and NDAs, which sometimes are a good thing, but um, 
most of the time not. And the one thing, and this is where I'm going to have to not tell another fan base what to do because I hate when fan bases try to tell other fan bases what to do. I think it's one of the most infuriating things that they people can do. But if I personally was a Louisville City supporter, um, I don't think I would even do just first half. If I mean, if I'm in the you know supporters groups, just I think it's going to be, even though that team probably already has your season ticket money. I get that you might as well go because they already have your money. I understand that. Don't go. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what to do. You don't have to listen to me. You can tell me why that's a bad idea, but my humble opinion, don't go. I know this was Legion for me, and I love this Birmingham Legion team. If these kind of allegations were put against my club, I couldn't support it. I couldn't stand behind that. I couldn't have my face be there. Um, but that's just me. But that is happening is that they're doing a silent first half, which, you know what, if, if that gets the attention of the front office, great. More importantly, I hope it gets the attention of the fans who maybe don't stay up to date as much. Right. I don't know. This there's there's a whole lot we can talk about, I guess. Everything. We could keep talking about all this, why it's messed up, why it's awful, and honestly, there's still conversations probably still to be had that I'm, you know, off the top of my head. So if anybody about any of this, the 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 racial abuse, the physical whatever, you know, jump on in. This is open floor. And obviously people who are in the live chat, please give your opinions. We, this is an open floor for everybody. Yes. I think uh, you had mentioned it just talking about the uh, season ticket money, Kaylor, and just um, like it, that is the one impact I think fans do have is that they can uh, just not go to games. They cannot financially support these teams. And I know it's, this is always around the time of the year that, uh, teams come to fans and ask for renewals for season tickets for next season. And that's one of the things we as fans can do is just ask these teams to hold them accountable and say, I'm not going to renew my season tickets if this isn't changed or if this isn't fixed. Yeah. I mean, this kind of goes, this is a weird comparison, um, but <laughs> I think in the lot in the video gaming industry, right? People have started saying, hey, don't give companies your money like, you know, like EA. Don't pre-order games anymore um, because you don't know what kind of product you're going to get. You don't want to support a bad company, da-da-da-da-da. Um, that kind of goes to the same if you're in this situation as a fan. If they come to you with these season ticket proposals, you get this much of a discount right now. If you renew right now. You get this much of a discount on your season ticket. I mean, yeah, like just vote with your dollar. Don't give them the money. If there's a game you want to go to, buy the ticket that day. The discount is not that much. <laughs> it's really not. Um, just it obviously support your team, support your club. Um, but I think, uh, like you said, this is the time for you to really impact these uh businesses because that's what we're dealing with is businesses um hurt their bottom line yeah i mean you make the point of support your club but support them when they're doing the right thing supporting individuals of every, every demographic every background they aren't gonna fold at the end of the day because you do to renew a ticket six months later without a discount and so i think in your smallest way making your voice heard no matter what is going to be the bigger thing in the end game and there's another part of this and i'd seen it talked about on the different social medias platforms and i kind of want to hear your thoughts on it but this is another thing it's that people after they heard all the, all the allegations, started calling club sponsors. 
saying, do you want your name attached to this? And it can go all the way up from, you know, super, you know, massive organizations and super massive sponsors like Toyota's or, um, you know, H, uh, you know, I think it's HG uh, for racing Louisville and so on and so forth, all the way down to mom and pop shops. Do you want your name, your company to be associated with this? And not saying it's necessarily going to pull those sponsors from the club, and but those sponsors are going to be going to those clubs saying, what's going on? What's happening here? We are threatening to pull this away, which unfortunately might get the job done. Yeah, because I think a lot of the pressure has and responsibility has been put on players to, to handle this. And there hasn't been enough people in positions of power that aren't players who have been vocal, um, who've, who have been actually silent on some of these issues and some of these reports. And, you know, I want to give people the space to be able to process and, and come out with, with a statement that is, you know, thought out and, and thoughtful. Um, but it's also interesting people pointing out certain voices in the soccer world have been relatively quiet on these issues and haven't said anything or even acknowledged that there's an issue. I mean, meanwhile, you have Becky Sauerbrunn coming out pretty heavily saying, you know, that anybody who has been involved essentially um, needs to go right. Every owner, manager, USS official who's been named in the report should be gone is what she says. And I don't disagree with that. Right. We have players who are angry and exhausted and emotionally uh, exhausted and physically exhausted. And they're going through mental health crises about some of the stuff. And there are a, a lot of good people in us soccer, um, that are probably kept in the dark about this, but there is a large group of people who um, either did nothing or actively worked to silence victims or, or protect perpetrators. And those people need to go. And I really appreciate uh, these players associations stepping up, right? This is the, the value of those type of unions where you can come together and really put a lot of pressure um, as players in a way that, um, doesn't put necessarily put the, the spotlight on the victim. Uh, it allows the players association to kind of to, to take the lead on some of these things. So it's, it's a collective action uh, and not, um, not up to the individual player. Um, you know, John Fuller puts up, you know, this could be something that eventually ends up in a CBA where, you know, there's a, a process put in place uh, and collectively bargain process put in place for investigations. And I think this is the opportunity where players can really put pressure on leagues to get some of that stuff done. But I think, you know, you, there are some pretty big names in that's that are named in these reports that have to answer for their action or inaction in these situations. And it's a lot to do. Uh, and it's a lot of names, but I, I think, there are a lot of folks who can step up into these spaces and, and, and take over the pressure from these, these athletes who have been through the trauma and start to be vocal. And, and I really like some of these things that I've, I've seen out of fan fan groups to support those issues. Right. And to, and to hold people accountable and ask questions and, call sponsors and whatever they feel is, is necessary. Right. And, and Kayla, I think you nailed that one too. Like I'm not here to, to tell you as fans how to fan, right. That's something I've tried really hard not to do. Right. Everyone gets to fan the way they want to fan. Um, but tap into your local supporters groups and stuff and see what, what they're doing, what you can be a part of. Uh, you don't have to be the leader. You don't have to be the guy or the person out front. Uh, with the megaphone, but just being there is important enough and, and showing support and, and solidarity with players in whatever way you deem appropriate. I want to encourage that. Right. And that looks different in Louisville versus Detroit versus, you know, angel city versus, you know, 
Portland. Like all of those places have different relationships with their front offices. And so getting something done means something different. And so I just want to encourage people to, to find a way to get involved, whatever their comfort level is. And there's a place to be supportive of those, uh, of the players who've been through the trauma and, you know, grab a group of people and because there's strength in numbers and you be, might be surprised what you can accomplish. And before, you know, I, you know, unless somebody else has something they want to, you know, throw out there um, before we fully wrap up the show and we'll, I'll probably make this specific part a clip on Twitter. Right. But um, if you're a player in the USL, if you're from a league, from the academies, from W league, super league, league two, league one championship, whatever. Um, and some of this stuff is going on and someone in the front office is just simply not listening. The higher ups are not listening. You know, the, the USL show is a platform. Protagonist is a platform two cents. Um, I'm sure the people at walk in 90, um, you know, I don't want to force them into anything, but there are news outlets, um, people that want to do the right thing by you. Um, because at the end of the day, I don't support a front office. I support you, the players. So if there's anything we can do for you, please don't be afraid to reach out. Um, we'll We'll do all we can for you. And hey, I just want to throw in, I mean, us at the USL show and all of the various outlets that Kaylor mentioned, if you want to put a face to it, if you want to put your voice on a podcast, that's fantastic. I'm willing to talk to you if you want to do something a little bit more anonymous. I'm thinking a lot about this in terms of what I want to put out about Chattanooga, about the impact at Louisville in terms of when I'm writing a back yield. There are tons of outlets that are really willing to listen to what you have to say. Because at the end of the day, we are pro player at this podcast. We want to support what makes everyone feel accepted and included. And we want to put pressure on clubs to foster an environment that really builds up that sort of ideal for American soccer. Yeah. Well, anything from anybody else on any of the matters, uh, Alan or Ryan? All right. Um, definitely not enough time to talk about the week that was or the week that will be. Um, you know, obviously, tons of exciting matches, um, tons of stuff that's super exciting going on around the league. We have some exciting stuff coming out here, but we'll wait till tomorrow to plug all that. Um, there's support your players support your favorite players, reach out to them on social media, tell them that you love them, tell them that you appreciate them. Um, I promise you they will appreciate that. I promise you that they will appreciate you reaching out. Um, you know, stay safe out there, friends. Um, and yeah, um, some final thoughts for tonight, Ryan. Nothing much. Just uh, stay safe to uh, everyone in Florida still reeling from the effects that we're still thinking of you and um, hope everything's okay. John? Yeah, I mean, if you have the time, if you have the financial ability, figure out what organizations you can go out and support in person, can support with your financial assets to try and foster those inclusive communities that we've been pushing throughout this episode. I think it's so important to try and build up a broader community that makes everyone feel like they're an important part of the world, whether that's in the USL or any other institution in the broader span of existence. So I guess that's what I'm pushing tonight. Alan. Yeah, I would just I would I would echo both of those um, both those thoughts, including uh, Puerto Rico as well, and and some of the, the those thoughts. And with, with John too is is don't be afraid of going to those spaces and and listening. Like you don't have to have the answer to go into those spaces to volunteer or make a difference. Like sometimes just showing up and and, and listening to 
people share their stories can be equally powerful. Brew agrees. Um, so I I do encourage people to try and find ways to get involved in their community. And they, like I said, they don't have to be the person out front and they don't have to have an answer. Um, um, it's all about simply just having the hard conversations. Um, and frankly, most of the time they're uncomfortable. Um, to be brutally honest with you, as being a straight white dude, I didn't feel like I was the right person to, you know, have this conversation at all today. But, you know, I reached out to people I trust and asked them how to go about this. How can I help? What can we do? Um, and frankly, I mean, I was scared to talk about this, but if you're in the same boat where you feel scared to talk about this stuff or you feel just anxious and don't feel like you're the right person, reach out to the people that are the right people and ask how you can help. Um, by having the conversations, by becoming educated or helping educate others is how we can grow as people, as society. And hopefully we can go to the footy matches, can go to the soccer matches and don't have to ever worry about what's going on off the field with the players. We can just worry about why the team let in a goal or why we're good at soccer or why we're bad at soccer or all those things all at once. You know, let's get to the game itself. But thank you everybody so much for listening uh, today. I know that this is, you know, 52 minutes of a lot of heavy stuff, um, but it's a conversation that needed to happen unfortunately needed to happen. Um, but thank you all so much. Um, and until next time, guys, that's been the USL Show. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.